All right, should we get to our sexy story this week? Ladies, gentlemen, you cannot unsuck that dick. (laughs) It was hot. It was really quite something. (laughs) Do you like when someone else makes me moan? Do not show up looking like you slept in your clothes. In your car. There is nothing sexier than getting railed by two dudes at the same time. I'll just say that. Hey everyone, welcome to Front Porch Swingers. I'm Brenna. I'm Brian. Guys, altplayground.net, our awesome partners, are doing something so fun in the month of February that we wanted to let you know about. They just launched their brand new points program, which allows you to rack up points for doing things on their site that you would probably do anyway, like sending emails, connecting with new people, uploading photos, etc. And the grand prize for the month of February is a Sibian package worth over $1,500. If you don't want that, I don't know what you could possibly want, because that sounds amazing. Amazing. So that is just one of the reasons that we think altplayground.net is an amazing lifestyle site that you should absolutely check out. Head on over there today. You can come say hello to us in our community called Front Porch Swingers with over 900 people from across the United States and Canada. We can't wait to see it. Altplayground.net start racking up those points and winning prizes like a Sibian maybe even. So we have officially spent a week living on a tour bus, Alt Playgrounds tour bus to be exact, and it has been mostly awesome. We've definitely had some growing pains. Yeah, the first three days were probably what I would refer to as a fuck show, 100%. Complete and utter train wreck. Yeah, it's, you know, you're getting uh, accustomed to another way of living and it's an unusual way of living. It's not even RV living because it's not an RV. It's a bus and it doesn't operate or function the way an RV does. So took a little uh, getting used to for sure. We're still getting used to it. There's still growing pains, of course, but the ability to be mobile and be on the road and interacting with people that we have been corresponding with digitally for years now and just now being able to get in front of and just seeing the different places working out on the beach the last two days uh, it's all it's so cathartic and f- absolutely worth all of the little idiosyncratic bullshit we put up with living on a bus yeah you're being really nice by saying all this the reality is i had a fucking meltdown no no you had three meltdowns <laughs> Oh, okay. So now we're really not being If, nice. we're, if okay. we're being specific, I mean, if we want to really clarify this, you had three meltdowns, yeah. which isn't terrible considering the alternative, which could be a colossal fucking meltdown, which could have ended the entire trip. So yeah, absolutely. Three's not bad. Yeah. Well, when I found out, for instance, that it takes forever for like a hot water heater to heat up and I was taking cold military style showers, that was probably the first meltdown. Uh, The second one was realizing that a refrigerator takes eight hours to cool down, which basically means we don't have a refrigerator because it's astronomically expensive to run the bus for eight hours at a time. Well, my my personal favorite meltdown, though, is when you locked yourself or thought you locked yourself in our bedroom. I absolutely did lock myself in the back. You keep saying I didn't lock myself in the you back. Didn't. You didn't. You didn't lock yourself in the back. Okay. You just couldn't get the, the door was stuck. It wasn't locked. There is no lock. You just couldn't manipulate the handle, but you were not locked in. And in <laughs> fact, in fact, you got yourself out of the room and then called me to tell me that you locked yourself in said room. <laughs> Well, I had a panic attack. You totally did. It's fucking weird living on a bus, okay? It's really cool. Like you said, there's a lot of upsides to it. My favorite part so far has definitely been the beach and just having sun on our faces after... And I guess what's my most favorite thing about that is, and this is probably fairly petty of me, but we have friends that are back home right now that are like, oh, we're supposed to get nine inches of snow tonight. We're supposed to get a foot of snow. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. We are currently walking on the beach with our toes in the sand and it's 80 degrees. Yeah, it's 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 a little childish, but you know, they <laughs> we go back and forth and Clint was sending us text messages about him and Persephone having hot sex and all that good stuff. So we said, well, that's great and all, but we're going to do that tonight. Only first, we're going to lay in the sun. Right. (laughs) And enjoy shoveling all your fucking snow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we are enjoying it. We are excited to continue the journey. We are currently in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And in case you guys are curious about kind of our trajectory, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time in Orlando over the next couple of weeks before we head south. And we will also be in Miami. We'll be in the Fort Lauderdale area. And then at some point, we'll also make it to Tampa. So we're spending quite a bit of time in Florida 
very excited about that to continue to visit beaches and meet people here and all sorts of fun shit. Yeah, we have already had the opportunity to connect with some folks that we have been corresponding with, as I said, for a long time. And it's just been really nice to see friendly faces and talk to people that we've kind of gotten to know over the internet, essentially, and uh, who have followed our journey. We have been following theirs. It's just, it's been really nice. And this is just the beginning. We're only, we're getting into week two, basically, and we've got a long road ahead of us. So it's really just a matter of getting a a rhythm and finding a routine just like you would anywhere else. Only this is a an unusual routine and an unusual pattern for sure. We do have a fucking huge bed and it is fucking comfortable. It is more comfortable than the $2,000 mattress we were sleeping on at one point at home. 100%. We have a bed that's actually a little larger than a king size bed. It's essentially three quarters of the rear compartment of the bus or the rear one third of the bus basically and it's just fucking amazing i'm sleeping like a baby on that thing it's so weird yeah i know you said i'm not snoring anymore either no you're not snoring at all i don't know if i am i can't tell obviously i i won't i wouldn't know because i've been sleeping really hard so that has been great and it's the perfect fuck bed just throwing that out there yeah it is the most stable platform fortunately the gentleman that built it we had to go through a couple of different modifications but we got it down now it's it's fucking perfect absolutely perfect yeah so and we've been using it a lot a lot well that was the other thing i was going to say is i think being on the bus i mean part of it i think is that we don't have all of the extraneous shit going on we're not going to separate jobs every day we're not doing all of that we're together all the time but we're having sex like twice a day again Well, it's just, it's exciting because it's like, hey, let's record or let's do the video. Let's do some editing. Oh, hey, by the way, would you like to suck my cock? (laughs) And that would be awesome. And we can at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the morning. We're having a lot of morning sex now. We we weren't able to for a while. We hadn't been for a while because we're getting up at five to go to work. And, you know. Well, five to work out and then go to work. And then, yeah, it was just, our lives were so much crazier. I think we didn't realize how hectic they really were until now. Well, if nothing else, uh, I mean, you said it the other day when we had almost had catastrophic failure on Interstate 95. You put things into perspective, right? Things become much clearer to you. What is important becomes much clearer. And when you cut out all the extraneous bullshit, as we did, we purged our entire lives, obviously. And when you cut all that out and you get right down to the things that matter most, it is nothing short of fucking amazing as to what little you can function with. You don't need a lot to be happy. And fortunately for us, we're in a great position with all playground, with our partnership, with being mobile and, you know, financially stable. All those things are, all the bases are covered. The basics I should say are covered. The rest of it is just academic. Yeah. It doesn't mean shit. Now we just get to have fun and meet cool people and, and have sex. And go to the beach at 7 o'clock in the morning to work out. That's yeah. also been fucking amazing. Yeah, so. it's, it's really kind of, it's difficult for me because I really, I do miss Nashville. I have to admit, I miss Nashville. I miss Nashville. I was actually saying this morning on our Telegram group, if we could somehow relocate the beach to Nashville, yeah. that would be the perfect situation. Absolutely. If Nashville was near, even, even if Nashville was 45 minutes from the beach, we would be in Nashville. Yeah, it, it just made, it just makes things so much easier just to just to drive a short distance to the beach and work out in the morning and get that sun, that fresh air. It's nice. Yeah, for sure. Also, we have been communicating with a lot of sexy folks. And it's been really fun to kind of experience the differences, the variations in people depending on where you go. For example, another thing I loved about Nashville is everyone there is passionate about something. Most of them are artists and they just love what they do and they're so excited to talk about it and they lead with that when you're communicating with them digitally. Well, and here it's like because you're in a beach community and and I grew up in a beach community so I, I completely understand the philosophy and kind of the mindset and it's very much it's a very relaxed place to be no one's in a rush no one is stressed no one is hectic they're just taking it easy they're taking a stroll they're running on the beach they're walking on the beach they're just hanging out they're you know going down to the bar and having a cocktail on the beach like yesterday I was communicating with a couple that we will likely meet in the next few days and they were riding their bikes on the beach headed to the strip club for a drink during happy hour Right. It doesn't get any more fucking relaxed than that, people. <laughs> You're riding your bike on the beach. It's a lovely afternoon. The sun is out. And by the way, it's happy hour at the strip club. So we're going to go have a cocktail. Fucking spectacular. I celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. I celebrate it. I don't necessarily love the strip club part of it. That's not really my atmosphere. But <laughs> Well, clearly not mine anymore at this point in my life. But I just found it so interesting that it's just like, 
it's like saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're just going to run down and have a drink and, and relax. But, you know, we're riding our bikes to the strip club. And then from there, we're going to go have dinner somewhere. It's just this laid back kind of mentality that I just dig. Yeah. You know, me I too. can get behind it 100%. We just need to move it a little closer to Nashville. Yeah, <laughs> no joke. I yeah. really miss I need the live music in my life. The live music and the sun would be just awesome if we could figure that out. Well, Nashville in the summer is probably great. Oh, you know it is. But, but it just, snowed when we were there. Yeah, it did. I need the beach. I need sand between my toes. You know, that's what I need. Agreed. So, anyway, lots of sexy folks. We have a lot of opportunities to meet people, which, of course, lends itself to opportunities like single guy tip of the week. And to put it mildly, we have so fucking many po endless possibilities of single guy tip of the week this week for you. We've chosen one for, that you really were, you really feel passionate about. So... I had been corresponding with this guy who lived in the Nashville area. He was older, right around your age, very attractive from the pictures that he had on his profile as well as the ones he sent me. His profile was so eloquent. I was excited about him. We started talking and the conversation was great because it was not what I would deem sexy. It just seemed very kind of like a lot of small talk, but I kind of appreciated that because I learned a lot about him through that discussion. But the whole time, this conversation for the four days leading up to Friday, where I when I was supposed to meet him, was very platonic in nature, okay? So then Friday, he asks me if I will go out with him to a, a steakhouse. He wants to take me to, for a steak dinner, which we'll also come back to. It's not really part of the story, but it's something I feel like we should touch on at the end of this. Well, okay. it is part of the story. It's really, a, it, it, for me, it's a big part because we it was a lesson learned. Once again, you're, we're always learning something during all of these kind of situations that we find ourselves in. There's always a lesson to be learned, right? Whether it's a perfect situation or not, but there's always a lesson. And this was, I think that was one of them, a big one. Yeah. So anyway, he wanted to, he set a reservation. He wanted to take me to this steakhouse. He even had me, asked me to go on the website and pick out a bottle of wine that he could have chilled and waiting there. And I know that this is probably more of a personal thing. This is a, a personal preference thing. I don't love that because it feels kind of like a power move. It feels like you're trying to like impress with money rather than who you are as a person. And I, I don't, I just never really been my thing. Well, and I changed my concept of what this kind of looked like for me as time went on. Because initially when you and I talked about it, as I mentioned to you, I got the impression from the communication that you were having with him that this was relatively new to him. This wasn't something that was really in his comfort zone. This wasn't his wheelhouse necessarily. And I, it felt like he was doing something that would put himself in a situation where he would be comfortable, more comfortable. I don't think he's a guy that goes out with a lot of partnered women in situations like ours, like a hot wife kind of dynamic. And I thought, well, it sounds like he wants to be comfortable because he's already a bit uncomfortable with the unknown. And that was my initial thought, right? He's, he's familiar with this restaurant. He wants to try to make a good impression, doing his best to do that. Letting you call some of the shots is going to put you at ease. He's going to feel comfortable because it's a place that maybe people know him or he's, again, he's familiar with the surroundings and just kind of bring his temperature down a little. That was my initial thought until later. Okay, so then Friday comes along. That's the day that we're supposed to get together and he has made reservations for Friday evening. Friday morning, the very first time he was flirtatious with me in any way, shape, or form was Friday morning when he texted me and said, by the way, any chance you're going to wear a short dress with no panties tonight? Okay, I didn't really love that. I felt like it went from zero to 100 very quickly. There was zero flirtation leading up to that. So it was like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. I felt like I got hit with a brick or something. Well, let's be clear. The reason you didn't really care for it was just that. You had not had any kind of flirtatious or sexually overtoned conversations with him to this point. Right. It was simply, how's your day going kind of stuff as opposed to, you know, wh what color panties are you wearing or are you wearing any panties? So, again, when, like you said, when you go from zero to 100, it's like, whoa, where was the, you know, there was really no... no there was no graduation to that. Yeah, you got to idle a little bit before you, you know, just put the pedal to the to the floor. So, yeah, I think that's probably what threw you off the most because, I mean, you like dirty talk and that's your jam, but under the right circumstance. Yeah. And I also think we hadn't really had much conversation leading up to that aside from logistical conversations. So he knew almost nothing about me. And I took this as an opportunity to say, hey, I have no problem with the idea of you asking me if I'm wearing panties or not later, but it'd be cool if you actually tried to get to know me right now. 
his response is, well, I don't know how this works because I don't I don't know what else to ask you because you're partnered. And I was like, well, I'm still a person just because I have a partner doesn't mean I'm somehow not a lady. Yeah. And again, like I said to you, it's a cop out. That's a that's a lazy excuse. You know, if you don't know, then ask. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, uh, just so we're clear, I'm kind of new to this. I don't want to overstep. I don't want to be disrespectful. What's the best way for me to flirt with you without being that guy? I mean, how difficult is that? Why is that complicated? Well, he really used a cop out a little while later as well because he said, well, you have to cut me some slack here. I'm an old guy. This isn't my jam. I don't know how things work in today's day and age. I fucking hate that. I hate it. I related it to you as it's like the your great uncle who's 80 years old who says something homophobic or racist or something and he gets called out and goes, oh, well, I lived, I grew up in a different time. You have to cut me some slack. No, we live in 2021 now. So there are certain things that can't be said and shouldn't be said ever. This is one of those kinds of moments where it's like, yeah, just because you're an older guy doesn't mean that non-monogamy should be this completely foreign concept that you just have zero ability to wrap your head around. And yeah. and if it is, why are you asking me out? Well, and I take exception to it. I'm fucking 50. I'm an old guy, too. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, hey, man, don't categorize me with you. Don't lump me in with that dumb shit. Just because you're 50, you're in your 50s, you're early 50s. That's no fucking excuse. Again, just lazy. You're not doing your homework. You're not taking the time to get to know a person or exactly how to correspond with a person properly. And if you're not going to take the time to do that, like you said, just don't go to the trouble of asking me out. And we're not going to go through the entire conversation because there were several other messages. And I think if we read all of them, it would both bore you to tears, but also give you this the summation of what I can sum up in, in one sentence right now, which is as the text messages went on, it became more and more of a train wreck. It was just digging a hole further and further until it got to the point where I was like, I can't fucking do this, Brian. I literally cannot. I want to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. He seems nice, but I was so so thrown off by his weirdness and inability to talk to me like a regular person that I just I could not see myself sitting and having a two hour meal with him, let alone ever going into some sort of a sexual interaction. Well, it's interesting because he not only talked himself out of potentially getting laid, he talked you out of wanting to see him and also getting laid. It's like you fucked it up for everybody. You, you He literally worked himself out of a, a good time and didn't even realize it. And even worse, was oblivious to it right up until the time that you were actually supposed to meet him. Yeah. Because he reached out to you while he was at, supposedly, while he was at the restaurant. Yep, exactly. He texted me. And that's also what I really didn't like. A colossal douche move. This Just is, douchey. Yeah, this is when I said, okay, he didn't actually invite me out because he wanted to treat me. He invited me out because he saw it as like a power move and he wanted to be Mr. Impressive because he messages at the, while well, basically during our reservation, messages and says... Just so you know, you really missed out. I'm having an amazing meal and having the bottle of wine that you picked out. It's too bad that you didn't want to follow through with this date. All of that kind of fell on deaf ears, but that's really kind of the summation of all of this, right? I changed my mind about why I thought he was doing what he was doing, and I, I have to agree with you. I think what he did was intentionally kind of this power move that pretty woman type scenario, right? Where I'm going to do all of the whining and dining and throw all this bullshit at you to try to impress you. And to some degree, almost guilt you into wanting to spend the night with me because I've done all of these things. It's just horse shit. It's a terrible move. So for me, single guy tip of the week is, is pretty simple. The thing I think that we learned about you particularly, and this is not for everyone, but when we're speaking about how we play in the hot wife space and how you best kind of maneuver in that space. Doing the dinner thing, doing the overtly over the top things, that doesn't work. Meet for a cup of coffee, meet for a drink, determine chemistry, which is always the most important thing for us above and beyond anything else, the physical, anything. That's the easiest way to do this. It's the best way to get to know somebody. It's the most relaxed for you. It no puts pressure. You at ease. No pressure for anybody. We yep. don't need to go through the pick a bottle of wine and all this bullshit. You go have a cup of coffee, you go have a drink, Nice and easy. That's what it should have been the entire time. And we know better now. We knew better before. You did too. But now we really know better not to go forward with situations like that and put yourself or the other person in a situation to fail. And that's what this was. This is a, this is a, a situation that was destined to fail. Yes. And we should have seen that coming. So single guy tip of the week. 
Do not overdo it. You don't need to. You really don't. You need to be polite and thoughtful, but you certainly don't need to roll out the red carpet and go to the steakhouse and do the wine and do the whole thing. Just well, be some nice. Some people might like that. That might be someone's yeah, very thing. much so. But very I think a so. better tip would be ask. Ask me what I'm comfortable with. Ask me what a perfect first meeting looks like so that we can have a conversation about that rather than just assuming that I'm going to be comfortable with this because I would not have been. I said it to you probably six times leading up to Friday. I really don't like the way this feels. It feels like I'm going to somehow be pressed pressured into spending more time with him than I want to if I don't like him. Yeah, and it just sets everybody up to be awkward. So this was kind of a long single guy tip of the week to get to where we are, but it was important that we kind of shared it because what it shows you is that right up until the 11th hour, you can fuck this up. You could, you could legitimately talk yourself out of getting laid very quickly at the 11th hour. Just don't fuck it up. Don't overstep. Again, be thoughtful. Ask the questions that need to be asked. If you don't know something, certainly ask if you're not certain of it. Just do it in a polite and, and thoughtful way. And you don't have to go over the top. You know, just be a gentleman and just be genuine. And I think the rest of it becomes very easy. Any more than that, it gets convoluted, it gets complicated. And you and, come across as fucking creepy. Well, yeah, and you get too many opportunities to get tripped up. There's no reason to do that to yourself. Yep, agreed. So, good single guy tip of the week. Also, yeah. don't go from zero to 100. Yeah, if the if first talking, time that you're flirting with me, don't ask me about whether I'm going to have my bare vagina hanging out. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the weather for a week leading up to your date, and then you throw out a cockpit, it's like, whoa, pump the brakes. Where how the did fuck we go did from, that come from? Yeah, how did we go from cloudy days to your fucking cock? It's like... You got you to gotta chill out, man. There's got to be a little bit of lead up to that, you yeah, know? That's so true. <laughs> yeah. There's a stair, stair stepper that you should use when having those conversations. So Yeah. Everything in moderation. So we are really excited to present an interview that is different than I think we've ever had on the show before because typically we talk to lifestylers or at least non-monogamous people in whatever format that looks like for them. But today we actually are bringing someone on the show. We're chatting with someone who is very much sex positive and very curious about the world of sexuality, but does not necessarily classify currently as a non-monogamous person. It's a really interesting conversation conversation with the host of the How I Fuck podcast. Her name is Natalie and she's awesome. And we obviously recommend that you go and check out her show, which she'll talk about more in our discussion today. But I think this is just a really thoughtful conversation about sex in general, how different people have it, different walks of life and how that can impact your sexuality. It's pretty fascinating. So I'm really, really glad that we did this. Yeah, I really enjoy talking to Natalie. She has a very a, a real kindness about her. Her, and she's genuinely inquisitive, as she should be. She's a journalist, and by nature, she's inquisitive. But the way she approaches varying forms of sexuality is really interesting to me. Some of the shows that we've listened to of hers just really kind of, you know, they speak to you in, in different ways, depending on who is it she's having a conversation with. And it, it always thoughtful, as you said, always kind, and really opens up. I, I think when you listen to her show, you get the impression that you really have to consider other options. Right. It gives you the, the time to stop and think, wow, there there is another way to do this. Right. Especially if you only surround yourself with people that you tend to have a lot in common with. You know, if your sexuality and conversations around sexuality are really imprinted in one world and you don't get a lot of that variety, I, I think you miss out. And this conversation, as well as her podcast, really proves that. Yeah. And again, I just find her approach. Uh, she's got this innocent kindness about her that she really is deeply concerned and inquisitive about you know the people that she's interviewing and the conversations that she's having and I just enjoyed talking to her it was a lot of fun and I'm, I'm glad she came on the show it was really the kind of the kind of interview that it gets you thinking you yeah. know it, it really is Yes. And before we get to that discussion today we want to say a very big thank you to the partners of the Front Porch Swingers podcast Hey, fellas, we're in the thick of winter and a storm's a brewing. It looks like one to three inches in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. So, Brian, when was the last time you shaved your balls? I, in fact, shaved my balls yesterday morning in the shower. 
with your Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0? Yes, I did. It's the only thing I use at this point. I will no longer succumb to cutting myself and cutting the boys with a regular razor. There's just no point. So easy to use the 3.0. It's the only thing I use now, and I can do it basically every day, which is kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice for me too because I spend a lot of time down there and I love when they're nice and smooth and Manscaped has made it easier than ever for you to keep them nice and smooth for me. You're welcome. (laughs) The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology, your snags on your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof so you can trim in the shower or even the jacuzzi if you're a savage. Manscaped's performance package is the best buy of 2021, and you can get it at manscaped.com with a discount. If you use our code SWINGERS, S-W-I-N-G-E-R-S, at manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off of your purchase plus free shipping. They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website, from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. So much stuff, all geared towards helping you be as hygienic and sexy as possible. So once again, manscaped.com use code swingers for 20% off and free shipping also guys valentine's day is right around the corner and it's the perfect time to spice up your bedroom with some new toys and thankfully adam and eve is providing you with lots of opportunities with their many many products to do exactly that make your valentine's day a little bit steamier if you go to adamandeve.com and use our code swingers at checkout not only are you going to get 50 percent off of one item you also get 10 tantalizing free gifts for your viewing pleasure six Six free movies, a mystery pack that includes an item for him, a special toy for her, and something everyone can enjoy, plus free shipping. That is a lot of free Valentine stuff. So head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use our code SWINGERS. Again, that's SWINGERS, S-W-I-N-G-E-R-S, because that's how you're going to get all of that amazing Valentine stuff from Adam and Eve. Again, code SWINGERS at adamandeve.com. And if you guys haven't already joined us on the new Stereo app, you are absolutely going to want to do that. Stereo makes it easier than ever for shows like ours to interact with listeners. You can actually jump on Stereo and listen to our live shows, chat with us real time during the show. We can go back and forth, answer questions, and listen to your comments. It has been so much fun exploring the Stereo app as creators, and we hope that you'll come as listeners. You can go to Stereo.com slash FPSwingers, download the app, and also subscribe to us so that you know every single time we go live. At the end of today's show, we'll be letting you know about our next Stereo Live show, and we can't wait to see you there. All right, guys, we are here today with Natalie Rivera, who is the host of the How I Fuck podcast. We are very excited to have her here. A little bit different voice than a lot of times we have here on the Front Porch Swingers podcast. But we're excited to talk to someone who is obviously very interested in sexuality and in understanding it on a deep level. Uh, Someone who has some lifestyle experience and has kind of been on both ends of it, uh, monogamy and non-monogamy, and is going to speak to that as well today. So, hey, Natalie, how are you doing? I'm doing well, uh, given the circumstances, since we're still in a pandemic. But yeah, I'm doing good. Good. Well, we're very happy to have you here. Uh, would you want to tell us a little bit about, let's start by talking about your show, because I think the context of it is really important and is one of, obviously, the main reasons we wanted to have you on the show today, the work that you're currently doing. Yeah, for sure. So my podcast is called How I Fuck, which um, Google loves that. It's super easy to find. It's not. It's not easy to find, which is unfortunate, but people like the name. And uh, I've actually gotten people who I'll reach out to them and they're like, I never do podcast interviews, but your name was so fascinating that I was like, I have to do this. And uh, yeah, so our podcast is about how people have sex, why they like the sex that they like, what makes their sex life or sexual needs different from other people. So for example, we had like an episode about someone with cerebral palsy. We interviewed Andrew Gerza, who's a disability awareness consultant. He's amazing. He is very much, he's super kinky. He loves to openly talk about the fact that he hires sex workers in order to meet his sexual needs because he is a man with cerebral palsy, a queer man with cerebral palsy. So for him, obviously, he still has a sexuality. Everyone, you know, unless you're, you identify as asexual, has a sexuality. And so 
therefore, you know, he talks about his needs and like how, how it works out, how he mostly is a bottom, how he can't really, you know, top, he wishes he could. And so, yeah, our, really our series just explores the different ways people have sex. We've talked to a trans woman who was on hormones, like how is, how does that affect her sexuality? You know, our second season explores someone who lives with blindness. Our last episode was a sugar baby. So we also speak to people who have careers in who work in sex work and also talking to them like why why this lifestyle or why this career choice and what you know were was there anything in your life that made you not made you but kind of inspired the things that make you horny right now so that's really the gist of our episode like why do you like the things you like how do you have sex? You know, like, do you use special toys for this condition that you have? Like, do you go to a specific kind of therapy? And also, like, what does that sex say say about you? So that's really our podcast. So what is it about you specifically that made you want to explore this in such depth? So I've always been... It's interesting because like when I get on an interview with someone, I've gotten a couple of like surprises. Like people are a little surprised when they interview with me just because I look kind of quirky and mousy. (laughs) I don't sound like someone who would have a sex podcast. Uh, But I've always been very open about sex. Like my friends, like my close friends and I, we like for us, we'll say like, oh my God, I'm so horny. Like for us, we just, we just talk like that. Like we say it in the same casualness as we would say like, I don't know, we're hungry or something, you know, like we'll, we'll talk like that. And, um, I've come to realize that not that many people talk like that actually, (laughs) you know? So for me, I've always been very open about talking about sex. I am open about it with like my partners. I'm like open about it in general. I, I see no issue with it, but also I'm just a very curious person. I, you know, I'm a, a journalist. That's my career. So I've worked for many media companies. I've like done a lot of like in depth stories about different kinds of lifestyles styles, uh, news, politics, culture. And um, yeah, I guess like one day I was just, I live in Los Angeles. I see a lot of homeless people. And one day I caught myself wondering like how, where, where do they have sex? You know, like I really was wondering that, like, where do they have sex? Like, I want to know that. Unfortunately, when you live in homelessness, like what, what does that mean for you? You know, you lose like privacy, you lose access to a lot of things. And I'm assuming you also lose access to a lot of things that maybe you had used before to satisfy your sex life. And so, yeah, I I think that just, uh, it grew from there, my curiosity of like, how do people have sex? Like, how does it work? And me being a journalist, I was like, let's do it. Let Let me start this podcast. Oh, I think that's awesome. I was actually listening today to one of your podcasts where you were interviewing a transgender woman. And one of the things that I found so fascinating about what you said that really resonated with us and what we do is that you thought that you had a very diverse friend group and very open, sexually open friends around you, uh, which it sounds like you do. But it wasn't until you started this podcast and really started communicating with people that you realized how how much more diversity there is in sexuality that's out there. And Brian and I run into that all the time. We have everyone from uh, vanilla soccer moms all the way to BDSM dominatrixes that reach out to us and listen to our show. And seeing all of the the different interests in sexuality is just, it's such a beautiful thing. And sometimes it's shocking, but also in kind of a very cool way. So I love the show. We obviously are recommending that our our listeners reach out and we'll talk to you in just a little bit about how our listeners can find you. Uh, I guess I'd like to get a little bit more personal though, if you're okay with that now. Our listeners don't know this, obviously. You and I were corresponding before the show a little bit about your personal sexuality and about the fact that you at one point were in an open relationship. Are you uh, willing to talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So let's go back to basically my actual first sexual experience that I ever had, really. Like the first person I ever really had sex with was with someone who I was in a relationship with for almost three years. So I had, you know, the that was the first uh, person that I had sex with. And it was very uh, vanilla. It was very just, there was no exploration. Never went down on me. Nothing like that. And that being my first kind of experience with that, I just thought it was was 
normal, I guess. You know, at the time I was 20 when this um, when this happened, when, we first, when I first started having sex. For me, that was such a, I feel like a late bloomer. And the reason why I say that, there's nothing wrong with people, obviously, like having sex for the first time when they're 20, in their early 20s. I've actually found that that's actually kind of normal. Like people that I've talked to who are super sexual or in sex work, they're just like, oh yeah, I didn't have sex until I was like in college. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm not alone in that. But for me, it was a little strange just because I have always been very sexual. Like I've actually masturbated since I was six, which I thought was normal until I started talking to other people. And they're just like, no, that's crazy to me. And even in this podcast, like that's one of my first, like that's one of the questions I ask is like, how old were you when you first masturbated? And they're just like 13, you know, when I was first starting to go through puberty. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I started very early as a child and I knew what I was doing. So that was, that was interesting. But yeah, the person that I first slept with, it was very vanilla. There was, you know, we didn't explore. I, you know, thought I was happy in the relationship and in her sex life. I really wasn't. And so after that, that's when I really kind of went through, I guess you can say my hoe phase, I guess, you know, I really started sleeping with other, a lot, um, a lot more people, a lot of different people. And after some years, I ended up in a relationship with someone who is bisexual, who is a man, which is amazing because I am a bisexual woman and it was always very frustrating because because I had such limited experience with sex at the time, you know, like I knew very, since I was a child that I was attracted to women, but you know, in high school, you'll tell your friends or your close ones that you're, um, bisexual and they don't, you know, they pull out the whole, but you haven't like been with a woman yet. And, you know, well, how you know, they start actually quizzing you, like how many people have you been with? How many women have you been with? You know? So for me, it was very exciting to find a man who's bisexual and a man who would admit it actually, because I, you know, that's something else that I found in my, in my exploration, in my um, experience, like I, I really haven't met that many men who have openly said that they're bisexual. So meeting this partner was a huge game changer for me. You know, some who was very used to like vanilla sex and just like not doing anything, not exploring. Um, this partner very much wanted to explore, and we tried so many things. Some things that like for me, I guess now it's a little surprising. Like him wanting to be scratch, like scratch him as hard as possible and stuff. And so in that relationship, it was kind of like one of the most explorative relationships I have ever had, especially at that moment. And him being a bisexual man, like he also had very limited experience with other partners, with other male partners. So we had decided to open our relationship. But the thing though, is that, and this is something I realized, and this is something like I have friends who have explored non-monogamy. I think it's beautiful, but I feel like for us, we still we still hadn't been together for that long to explore it. At least for, at least I thought so. When we decided to open it, it really felt like we would both be exploring. But I really, I realized that it was actually me who's doing most of the exploring, who was sleeping with other partners and not him. And for him, what did it for him, what he had in this was that it really turned him on. So like for him, he he loved the fact that I was sleeping with other people. He wanted to hear about it. He wanted to know about it. And I think that's that's great. But I felt like if I was going to be in that kind of arrangement, then it would be like him also exploring other partners. And the closest he ever had to doing something like that was sexting with a, with a man, which is amazing. I love that. But I think, I don't know if he was too timid to, like he was still timid Um, He was still too nervous about exploring other male sexual partners, like kind of like we had talked about, or if for him, really the root of this kind of arrangement, like this kind of what we had decided to do was because it turned him on to hear me having slept with other partners. But yeah, I felt like I felt the communication wasn't there. And it's so important for the communication to be there, you know, like every every person involved needs to be on the same page. And I think he wasn't so sure about about where he wanted to be in in this. And so it, you know, I think after several months, we had decided to close our relationship again. And we did end up breaking up shortly after. And I think it's because the communication was lacking in the relationship in general. And I think it was very obvious when we had decided to try this that like it seemed that for him, it was going to be one thing and it didn't turn out to be like that. But it's like, it's definitely something that I would explore if... 
I really felt like we had a strong foundation. Like I would have to be someone, be with someone for a very, very long time, for not a very, very long time, but for quite a while and really get to know them before ever exploring something like that. And maybe it's because of fear of having a repeat of that, you know, of, of what happened with that partner. But yeah, for me, it was obviously, it was a lot of fun for me and he truly did enjoy it. Like I, he would ask me, he would want, you know, if I was, if I ended up in a situation where there was platonic friend or like, you know, if there was like a guy around, he would really encourage it and he absolutely wanted to hear it. And he would want to repeat the kind of the things that they would do to me. Like I hooked up for a while with someone who would finger me a lot, actually. And it was that was a very great sexual relationship I had with this person. And that's a whole other story because I, you know, I, I'm actually, now that I'm on this podcast, I'm, I'm actually searching for someone with a micro penis who I can interview for our podcast. <laughs> I know that's super random, but uh, the reason why I'm explaining this is because this person who I hooked up with had a micro penis. And so that was the first time I ever saw one. And so for him, the play there was mostly fingering me, going down on me. And these are things that I would tell my partner at the time, and he would want to try things out, you know, because I, I don't know, like my, my theory is that because he has, because of his size, he figured out different ways of like satisfying me with his like hands, with his fingers and his mouth. So, you know, he had some tricks up his sleeve and my partner wanted to hear about it. And he also like tried it out. And that was a very great, hot experience for us both. But like I said, it didn't, it didn't work out for us. And I think it didn't work out for us because I really started, I started realizing that it wasn't the agreement we had at the beginning and there wasn't as much communication. But yeah, that's that's my story with that. It's so funny that you mentioned the whole micro penis thing. Obviously, this is a, a total aside because there was so much more to what you just said. But we lit up when you said that because I have this fantasy. And of course, I, I never want to uh, fetishize someone based on, on their physicality. But I just think that it's one of those experiences I would love to have being with a man with a micro penis because I think it forces everyone to focus on something other than PIV sex. And I would just love to talk to and engage sexually with someone that's uh, that has a micro penis, so that's so interesting that you mentioned that. So, Natalie, I have a question for you. Yeah, you mentioned that you you rarely come in contact with, or you hadn't had a lot of contact with men, particularly who identify as bisexual. Is I, I just wonder why that is, and we wonder the same. So, I am someone who identifies as male, and I am also bisexual. And I guess it's interesting to me because now that I talk more about it and. Brenda and I do some coaching. Brenda, of course, is a certified sex coach. I'm a certified relationship coach. Most of the coaching I'm doing currently is with men, many of whom are in a similar situation to me. They are coupled, a seemingly nor, you know, heteronormative couple, but the male portion of that couple is bisexual and identifies as such and is trying to navigate that space with he and his partner in the world of ethical non-monogamy. And it's difficult because very few men in the swinger-centric space, let's call it, if they are bisexual, they don't always identify as, as such because of the stigma that's put on it within the lifestyle. Another couple doesn't want to play with a couple who of that couple, the male is bisexual for fear that there's going to be some innocuous male on male contact or whatever the case may be. Do you find that that seems to be a similar situation where a lot of guys don't identify because of the stigma that is potentially thrust on them with that identification? Yeah, for sure. I'm So from my experience and, you know, also just being a media junkie, being a pop culture junkie, like I said, I'm a journalist. I have worked for media companies. I, I'm constantly on the internet. I'm just like always looking for new stories and stuff. But just from my experience, I think it's this idea. And this is something that I feel like it goes back to like high school, like someone saying this. But the idea that if a man is bisexual, then they are actually secretly gay. They're not bisexual. They're, you know, they're pretending or something. And this is something I've seen on Instagram too, like memes about this or posts about this, about just like, or even confessions, I guess, from real people being like, remember, you know, when this gay man being like, remember when I was in high school and I said I was bi? Well, I was actually gay, like kind of like bisexuality being like this, uh, I don't know, this filler, I guess you can say that like, actually, they're, they're gay, you know, and I think this is even something that was said, like, in, in an episode of Sex in the City, where like, Carrie says, like, you know, bisexuality is like a, I don't know, like pit stop before 
Gayville or something, something really cheesy, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's like and, the gateway drug into homosexuality or something. Yes, something, something like that. You know, so one of my previous partners who I slept with for on and off for years, actually, and who's like one of, I guess, one of my best favorite partners. When I had met him, I thought he was gay. And the reason why is because his roommate, who was a friend of mine at the time, told me he was. So she told me he was gay. I had known her for a while. She had lived with him for a while before I started hooking up with him. But she had mentioned him a couple times and that, you know, my gay, my gay roommate, he's so great, my gay roommate, you know. And I think at one point she did mention that he, that he had said that he's bi, but she doesn't believe it. So she said she doesn't believe that he's bi, that apparently he was engaged to a woman before. But, you know, she, she said that, like, you know, like, uh, but that's not true. That's not true. He's totally gay. My gay roommate, you know, all this stuff for a couple years. And then um, when I started hooking up with him, well, how that happened was because I also thought he was gay. You know, like his roommate's telling me that he's gay. And so I ended up in a situation with him where I, you know, I... I like asked him to go get a cup of coffee. He was like, just come over and let's, I'll make us dinner. I'm like, cool, this is great. And like me being super naive at the time, I was just like, this is awesome. I have another gay male friend who wants to cook for me. I'm so lucky, you know? And then when it came over, you know, like a couple hours later, it turned into something else. And I was like, oh, like he, you know, when he told his roommate that, like he meant it. And I was like, well, where was my mind at too? with that, you know, because he does, he, he also looks kind of androgynous also. So he does, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, this is terrible to say, but the way he presents himself, I guess he does present himself like a gay man, but then what, who am I to say that? Like, where's that coming from? And I feel like that's coming from this idea, this weird idea that was made up by someone or some TV show or some movie about how gay men are supposed to be. But he is very much a bisexual, bisexual man. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it's just this, uh, this weird idea that if you're bisexual, you're actually gay with men. And it's just very interesting, especially if like you present yourself a little more feminine, you know, then it's just like, oh, no, this person is like, they're just not there yet. They haven't, um, they, they haven't come out yet. And I think that's such a shame. I think that's such a shame, especially because this bisexual man who I was with, who, you know, seems pretty feminine, he, he used to get mistaken for a woman sometimes and he loved it. He thought it was great, but it was such a fulfilling sexual relationship because me as a bisexual woman, I felt like I kind of had like, in a weird way, and this is probably problematic, but like uh, the best of both worlds, you know, like I felt like I could be kind of when I'm dating a girl, when I'm with a woman, I do feel a little tomboyish. I don't know how that sounds. Maybe that sounds not right. But I, I do. I do feel like, you know, especially if I'm with a woman who's very feminine, I do very I feel very tomboyish. So when I was with him, the fact that he was so delicate and he would wear women's uh women's lingerie and stuff it felt like I could switch around with with roles and that's something that I myself need to explore when it comes to gender like why do I feel that way like when I'm with a woman that I feel like a little different from myself or a different part of myself and with I'm with men who are straight I feel this other way but going back to your question I I think it's just this idea like we have this idea of like bisexual men where it's you know maybe they're they're actually they're actually gay and then we have this different idea about bisexual women where it's like you hear that and the first thing you or a lot of people at least from my experience a lot of men think oh threesome oh an opportunity oh fun this is gonna be fun this benefits me not like I'm just I'm just telling you a detail about myself that's very important but they immediately go to fun this is gonna be great amazing we're gonna be you know we're gonna be experimenting with all these people it's interesting you say that because particularly in the swinger centric space, I don't want to say that most women, that women are expected to be bisexual in that space. The truth of the matter is the, the larger portion of them are, but when it comes to the men, it's just this unspoken, just this unspoken rule that we don't talk about. You know, the guy, the guys don't let on that they are in any way interested in engaging with men or that they're bisexual or pansexual or anything other than heteronormative because it tends to throw off this pseudo dynamic between couples women absolutely welcomed not only welcome but encouraged but the guys not so much and and i still find it i find it troubling i find it irritating uh it's frustrating for sure i think a lot of times like as you mentioned 
people think that if you're bisexual, you're gay. That's just kind of the, as I said, the gateway drug or the, the lead in or the pit stop stepping stone. Yeah. 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 And I just find it, I find that to be so disingenuous, you know, the idea that you can't be sexually attracted to more than one gender identification. So for me, it's, it's been a struggle to kind of navigate the space in the, from the standpoint that I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. So if you have, you know, if anybody has a problem with how I identify, we just move on. I, I don't give a shit. And I'm sad for the guys that really find it difficult and struggle with it. Uh, so those are the, the folks I'm really working with now. But when you said that, I found it interesting because it's very much the case in the, the quote unquote swinger centric space to, to kind of keep it quiet. So I have another question for you, Natalie, then kind of having a little bit of experience in the world of non-monogamy, as you mentioned, potentially interested in being in it again in the future. What does a perfect relationship dynamic look like based on where you're at in your personal sexuality and the values that you hold right now? That's a great question. And I feel like I would have a different answer if we weren't in a pandemic, actually. And the reason why I say this is because um, I have always had such a high libido like people that I've been with have been very surprised by like how much sex and how much time I spend masturbating like how many times a day and all that so that's always been the case for me and it hasn't been the case in in this pandemic which is very strange I'm now in like a very committed relationship with a man and we live together and I have been losing interest in that and I'm not sure if it's because I mean it's probably because you know we're in a pandemic things are scary we had a very scary election that was very terrifying. And um, also, you know, I'm going through changes in my career as well. But I was very surprised by that. But I think like, I think for me, and I feel like I have this now with my partner, is that I want a relationship where I can be as as horny as I want to be. I, I want to be in a relationship. I am in a relationship where if I tell them that I am horny and I need to masturbate, they respect that and they don't try to get in on that, which sounds kind of terrible. But like, for example, I was in a relationship once where, you know, I tried to explain this to them. And they didn't seem to understand it as well as I would have wanted them to. But, you know, like I said, I've been um, masturbating since I was a child. And so for me, I will be working on something at home. And then it feels like an itch that I need to scratch this itch to just masturbate. And I'm like, okay, like it feels like having to eat or having to go to the restroom. Like, I'm just like, okay, my body needs this right now. I need to go deal with that. I'll be right back. So thankfully that relationship I'm in right now respects that. But like, I've been in relationships where they don't understand that fully. I need to go do this or maybe just very minimal. Like, can you help me by like playing with my breast or something while I do this? Let me get off. But it's important for me to get off right now because if I don't, it's just going to like, you know, like if you have like if you're horny and you can't and you can't get off, like you can't you can't deal with it. Then it's just it's going to be distracting for the rest of the day. So for me, like I'm working on something. I'm just like, I need to go do this. And, um, you know, thankfully, my partner is very respectful of that. But I've had partners who aren't respectful of that and, and who kind of have used that verbiage that like that kind of vocabulary that, you know, my language and how to explain that, they've kind of twisted it and used it against me a couple times with like jealousy in a way, like kind of like, you know, if they're jealous of someone who I'm friends with or, you know, I had a partner who said like, oh, are you going to fuck them? Like, you know, like scratch that itch you have. And I'm just like, that's terrible. You know, <laughs> that's just like, that's, I don't know, it's such a, it's such a weird way to manipulate something that someone's saying. But, you know, having a partner that respects that part of me, respects the fact that like I can get horny like that, like out of nowhere. And I need, you know, please just give me some time. I need to go manage this or you can help me. But like, you know, having having a partner who respects that and who understands that like, while, you know, obviously having sex with a partner is amazing. It's so much fun. I am still myself. I am going to die like myself in this body. Like I have lived in this body my entire life. And so when I didn't have a partner, when I wasn't in relationships, when I was very young, when I wasn't sexual with other people, I myself had to be the person pleasing myself. And so it's like I'm in a relationship with myself and therefore like you should respect that and not assume that because I masturbate so much or because I don't want you there. It's that like it's because it's something against you. You know, it's like it's because I'm not sexually attracted to attracted to you at all. Like, that's not the case at all for me. Like, for me, it's just I am. Um, yeah, I just have those kind of sexual needs. And like I said, 
I've been the one, you know, satisfying myself for like ever. Like at the moments where I was single or I wasn't dating someone, I wasn't in a committed relationship. Like I was the one trying to feed that need, please myself. And so that will always be the case. And I guess just finding finding a partner who is comfortable with that and who's also comfortable with, you know, me being like, yeah, absolutely, let's have sex. You know, I'm super or like me turning to the person and being like, I'm very horny right now. I want to have sex with you. Um, but yeah, I feel like I found that relationship, but it took a very long time to find that because people really take it personal. And um, maybe this is a stretch and you can tell me that this is a stretch, (laughs) but maybe it's like similar to, you know, having multiple partners where it's like, like, I feel like I'm, you know, my first partner is my, me, myself. And so, you know, tending to myself can make people feel insecure. So I'd imagine maybe that's kind of the similar case with having multiple partners. Well, as soon as you were saying all of that, I started thinking about this concept of toxic monogamy, right? Which is this idea that if you are in a relationship with someone, they should be all that you need. You shouldn't want to go out and have other partners. You shouldn't want to masturbate and have toys and other ways that you're pleasuring yourself and variety in your sex life. Like you, They should be everything that you need. And obviously, both Brian and myself have a lot of friends that are in relationships like that. You know, the idea of if you're not jealous of someone else looking at me or hitting on me, it means that you don't love me. It's kind of that that same mentality, right? It's this idea that your one partner should be everything to you at all times. They should be able to meet all of your needs, no matter what the day is, no matter what the moods are. That is your person. And you know, some people can operate in that world. I don't think it's the norm. And I think often we we try to put ourselves in that box as a way of fitting a societal norm rather than really figuring out what it is that we want and need sexually. So I totally get it. Plus, I think, you know, the other part of it is there are a lot of men out there, hopefully not many of them listening to our podcast right now, but there are a lot of men out there who don't understand female pleasure and don't put that as a priority within a relationship. And it's something that I've experienced in past relationships. Obviously, now I have an amazing partner who understands it on every possible level. But uh, having a partner like that changes everything. All of a sudden, all these doors open up to you and you're like, oh, my God, the, the possibilities of my own pleasure are endless, whether it's toys or situations, even if you're in a, a completely monogamous relationship. You know, we often hear from people that listen to our show that are monogamous that say, well, we went out and had a stranger fantasy for the first time he quote unquote picked me up at a bar and we went home and pretended like we were strangers so I mean there's so many different things that you can do to create that variety and that self-pleasure within your relationship even if it's only with one person so I think that's awesome and I I think it relates very deeply to Brian and my story of finding each other and gaining so much pleasure in our sexuality with each other and with other people so I do have one more question for you before we hear about uh, where all of our listeners can find you and find your amazing work. So obviously on your show, on your podcast, How I Fuck, you talk to a, people of a lot of different backgrounds, different careers, different health situations, different sexualities. Do you find a common thread in the in all of it as you're talking to people? Is there kind of a theme that weaves through all of these conversations you're having with people? That's such a great question. I'm surprised by how many people have told me, and this is no diss on religion, but I'm surprised by how many people have told me that like they came from a religious household and they're just like, fuck this, I need to break free. You know, so many people that I've talked to, that's been definitely a common thread or like maybe not even religion or just coming from a household that didn't talk about sex. Unfortunately, I would say everyone that I've interviewed grew up in a household that did not talk about sex at all. Like they had no idea how to find out any of this information (laughs) and they had to either seek it out or, you know, with, with older guests, like they, you know, they had nothing. Like they didn't really, maybe they didn't have a computer at home at the time. And so that is definitely something that I've heard a lot of our guests say is that like they, they grew up in households where it wasn't talked about and then they ended up just having to figure this out on their own. And like I mentioned earlier, I feel, you know, I felt for a while that I was like such a late bloomer because I didn't have sex until I was in college. But that's been a lot of people that I've interviewed, like people who are like who are sex workers as well, who, you know, I, I don't, you know, and again, where where are these, ex, you know, where are these assumptions coming from? Are they coming from, you know, have they been embedded in me because of like things I've seen, or things I've read, you know, but like, I, I don't know, I assumed that sex workers, probably people who got into that kind of work were, I don't know, having sex from 
from like when they were middle school or something, you know, something ridiculous like that. And like, like I said, where are these assumptions coming from? But no, there are also, you know, there are people who've had, who've started exploring with sex in their late teens in college. And it's, it's great to hear that because like I said, it's something that makes me feel less alone. Like me, you know, me being someone who is like, I, I didn't know anything. Like, I didn't know what a condom was until, I think I was in middle school or something, like eighth grade, late middle school. Not like, not like I'm 11, like I'm like almost 14, you know? And it's because I also grew up in a household where we just didn't talk about it. My mom didn't sign the slip for me to go to sex ed in school. She didn't want that for me. And yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a common thread that I've, I've noticed with, with a lot of our guests. Uh, But yeah, everyone has been super incredible and it's been also very fascinating to hear how things empower people and like for example we interviewed mistress maya mcqueen who is a beautiful amazing dom she is so so great and hearing you know well when i talked to her she just looks like she looks and she sounds like she has all her shit together she also looks like scarlett johansson so it kind of like threw me off when i interviewed her but she is incredible she has the best advice she is so soft-spoken and she is so wise and like i said she just seems like a woman who always had her shit together and she explained to me that the reason she kind of got into bdsm was because she was in a very very toxic relationship with someone who's very emotionally abusive and she felt like she was nothing at that point and after that relationship she was looking for any outlet like anything that would give her some anything that would empower her anything that would give her some power back and that's how she ended up taking a bdsm course and you know the rest is history now she's a pretty successful pro dom and she is sharing her wisdom with so many people she's always like she, she, I think she loves mentoring people. If I, you know, I think that's something that she mentioned to me that she loves talking to people about just the feeling empowerment, whether it's BDSM or it's something else. But that's another kind of trend that I've noticed is that like people that I've talked to who are relationship coach or who is in sex work, like they really came from an environment where they did feel shameful and they might have had an experience with someone who took this power away, but they themselves had to find they they found something that made them give themselves that power back and i think that's something very beautiful and yeah i mean the podcast i hope inspires people in a way you know like not not me you know presenting it i mean like these people's stories like really when i'm seeking out these stories i'm trying to find people who obviously have like great sexy stories like i want to hear all the graphic details but also stories of just like you know, what happened to you in your life that you decided to to do this? Have you always been so confident in that? Because it's a it's a journey. It's a journey to get there. Yeah, absolutely. One, Brian and I uh, have obviously been on for a, a few, well, really our whole lives, but especially a few years now. So I love that. I love that you are presenting stories of people from all different backgrounds and they are, are being able to just express their own sexualities in ways that maybe they haven't been able to do you know, prior to whatever they're doing now. So that's so awesome. Obviously, How I Fuck, great podcast. I've been addicted as Brian and I are going across the country. I have been listening to it and really appreciating it. So we definitely recommend our listeners check out your show. Will you let them know the easiest way to find you and your content? Sure, absolutely. So to find the podcast, we're on Instagram. We're at How I Fuck Podcast, but that's How I Fuck Without a U. So FCK, How I Fuck Podcast. And we also have the website, HowIFuckPodcast.com, again, without the U uh, because of Google. And um, if you want to find me, my Instagram is at by by natalie rivera so you can find me there but i highly recommend to follow the the our instagram for the podcast um we have some fun graphics there we have some fun art there we love to share sex positive content on there and we uh, we have quite a following that seems to be growing all the time so definitely check us out there Yes, absolutely. I want to once again reiterate the reason that we wanted to have you on, Natalie, and the reason that we were excited about your content as well is because I think one of the things that we're doing currently on our on our tour, if you will, are going across the country is trying to understand the different types of sexuality that are out there and also the misperceptions that are out there. I know that we as a swinging community, as a non-monogamous community, have a lot of that to fight against and hearing stories from people in, in other walks of life that are maybe considered a little bit more alternative. For example, your sugar baby episode you just had up. At the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter if we understand 
why a sugar baby is a sugar baby. I, of course, celebrate it 100%. But just the concept of being open to things and wrapping your mind around somebody else's life is such a beautiful thing. So thank you for coming on, for sharing your own story, and of course, for sharing your amazing podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Natalie. Really appreciate your time. It was amazing to have connected with you now that I've, I can put a face to the, to the voice. The podcast is great. We've just been enjoying it. Uh, so thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I also realized I didn't tell, I didn't say where you can find the podcast. I mean, you can honestly find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah, thank you. Another huge thank you to Natalie for speaking with us. That was such a fun discussion and her show is awesome. We obviously highly recommend checking out the How I Fuck podcast. We love the episodes. I've been feverishly listening to them as we're driving cross country and you can find the links for her show in our show notes today as well as any podcasting app, How I Fuck. We we love it. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. I've been listening to them as well with my earbuds in as I'm driving. And she's just, again, she's just so much fun to listen to. And and the topics that she covers, it's one of those things where you just never, you don't even think about those subjects until you listen to her show. It's like, wow, why why didn't I think of that? Why hadn't I thought of that? Absolutely. And as mentioned, I think that it gives you a just a broader view of sexuality in general. One of the things you and I, Brian, are really kind of learning as we go across the country and we meet new people and we go to facilities is we, we still have a lot to learn in terms of differences in lifestyles and what is considered, quote unquote, alternative lifestyles. Even a lot of times they don't really mesh or they don't uh, they're not synonymous with each other. And we would like to see that change. Yeah, there's not a lot of congruency in between, you know, the different levels of sexuality. And that that really is unfortunate. And the one thing, at least that I'm learning as we come in contact with different people and, and get into different parts of the United States, you really have to have an open mind about everything sexually oriented. You, you really have to keep an open mind. Uh, somebody's going to do something differently than you. And that is okay. You don't all have to be on the same page. But there has to be a level of mutual respect and understanding. And that just makes everybody get along that much better in this space of sex positivity totally agree. I love having open conversations about all different sorts of things with our Patreon community. Patreon is a way that you can sponsor the show for as little as $2 per month. And as a thank you for doing so, we provide all sorts of bonuses, including bonus episodes of the podcast, which come out weekly. We'll also be telling you first where we're going in the country and what type of things we're going to be doing in different places. So you kind of get all of that behind the scenes information. And of course, you get access to our Telegram group with over 100 people from across the world talking about all things sexuality, lifestyle, kink and life in general so we would love for you to head on over to patreon.com slash front porch swingers check out the different tiers and bonuses that we have available it seriously means the world to us when someone sponsors the show it's huge especially now that we're doing this full time this is our job so a very big thank you to our newest members on patreon who this week are scott john and jordan thank you guys so much for jumping on board we can't wait to get to know you a little bit better we also have saucier stuff via our OnlyFans. If you go to OnlyFans.com slash swingers, you get to see all of the naughty things that we are currently doing. Mostly me, although Brian has made several appearances recently, which has also been a lot of fun. So uh, see the steaminess for yourself and another way to support the show and our content creation. Also, guys, don't forget to find us on Stereo. Stereo has been so fun. We've been doing weekly live shows on Wednesdays there with a new topic that we're covering each time and your ability to actually call into the show and leave your comments real time. It is so fun. We did one this last Wednesday on hot wifing and why it's important to us, why we love the lifestyle so much. And we have another very fun one planned for next week. So if you go to Stereo.com slash FP Swingers, you can download the app and you can also subscribe to us so that you know every time we go live. We can't wait to interact with you there. A brand new way to uh, chat with you guys. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at FP Swingers and Instagram at FP Swingers 2. Find us on YouTube for all of the video updates of us on the road. Our channel is called Front Porch Swingers and that link will be in the show notes for you. And I think that's what we have for you this week. I know that Florida has a lot in store for us. We have 
so many things that we want to accomplish while we're here aside from just being on the beach we'll we'll try to be a little bit more interesting than that even though we're pretty addicted to it at the moment so you'll hear about all of that fun and i uh, hope you'll come along on this journey with us yeah we have a pretty spicy story to share with you in our next episode and i am really looking forward to recounting that one. Oh, me too it's gonna be hot so come back next monday for that and as always thank you so much for listening thanks everybody Are you looking for your next non-monogamous adventure or to learn more about the non-monogamous lifestyle? Head on over to altplayground.net today. Our recommendation for the best place to meet like-minded people. With their many modern features like the podcast corner, video corner, and communities from your favorite lifestyle groups, it's the perfect way to immerse yourself in all things lifestyle. Plus, of course, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of lifestylers across the country and Canada for you to connect with. So head on over to altplayground.net today. Check it out for yourself, and we hope you love it as much as we do.